Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. And we are going to, for the next little while, we are going to begin to work our way through the book of 1 John. We're going to go verse by verse, line by line, word by word, and begin to break down what John is saying here so that we can understand some things. I think um, often, many times, the way that we preach here at our church is by direction of the Holy Spirit. Just, I would say, almost 99% of the time, the way that people here preach, we go and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, what is it you want to say this week or in this series, what's on your heart, and we pray, we hear that, and then we preach it. There's also another style of preaching which is very important, and that is when you take a book of the Bible and you open it up and you all look in it together and begin to work your way through it. I think that is incredibly important. Biblical illiteracy is climbing off the charts. People do not know for themselves what the Word of God says. They don't even know sometimes what is in the Bible. You would be, uh, well, maybe you wouldn't be. I was going to say you'd be astounded. I am astounded often at conversations I have with people who I know have been in the church for a long, long, long time, and I will make mention of things and realize halfway through the conversation that they have no idea what I'm talking about. And there's a There's a presumed idea on my part that we're all reading our Bibles together, that we're all studying the Word of God together. But the longer I pastor and the more I go into ministry, I realize that may not be the case. So we are, as a group, as a church, we're going to work our way through the book of 1 John and see some things that John said to people in his day and age. Is that okay with you? That was just like, for kindness sake, I honestly don't care if it's okay with you. <laughs> We're doing it anyways. You could have said, no, change your mind. I was said, that's nice, that's nice, sit down. Uh, so we're calling this series, working our way through the book of 1 John. We're going to call it Sincerely John. And I want to tell you some background information so you understand um, why this letter was written and what it was written about. It's important, if you're going to read the Bible, context is incredibly important. You need to know who wrote it. You need to know when it was written. You need to know why it was written so you can understand what's being talked about. If you don't know those things, you can open a book up and say to yourself, this doesn't apply to me, or why in the world would this person even talk about these things? Why would he write a letter about these things? But it's important to know the context. So here's what I want to tell you. Um, It was written uh, by John. Okay, Uh, it doesn't say this letter is from John and it doesn't say at the end, it doesn't say sincerely John, like we're calling the series. It doesn't say anything about John, but all scholars agree by the tone, by what's talked about, by by the intro about the things that I've seen and heard, I've handled with my hands. People understand and assume that this is John who wrote this. John who was the disciple that Jesus loved. We all know him, right? The one who outran Peter to the tomb. Special John wrote this book. And so it was written around AD 90 to 100. So it's a long time after Jesus had gone to heaven. And it's been a long time. There are second generation Christians. There's possibly third generation Christians. Most of the original disciples by this point have been martyred and are gone, okay? And so here we have John writing a letter. 
the purpose was he was writing to followers of Jesus when they were beginning to follow away. It wasn't a church like many of the other letters that you read. It wasn't a church that was being persecuted. It wasn't a church that was scattered abroad, that, that they had to run for their lives and they were being separated. John was writing a letter to a group of people, to churches where they had been in the church for a while now and some things were beginning to happen. Church as we know it, or as they know it, had been going for quite some time, and so people were beginning to grow a little cold in their passion and their hunger for Jesus. Um, It had been uh, second generation, third generation Christians, and they began to say to themselves, this is like it has always been, Um, I'm not as hungry for this as I once was. Have you ever felt yourself that you were at a place where you weren't as hungry for Jesus as you were at the beginning? The beginning phases of relationships are always great. The beginning phase of anything is always great, right? And then the longer you go down that road, it gets a little more tiring, a little more work, and a little more like, ooh, this, isn't what, this wasn't what I quite thought it was going to be. It's not as much fun. I, you know what I'm talking about? And so John writes this letter to those people. At the same time, there was a bunch of false teachers that began to rise up. They began to say, we're going to take the ideas and the philosophies of this world. We want to begin to add these in to the Christian faith. We want to come along and we want to strengthen the Christian faith with these principles and concepts in the world so that the Christian faith can stand on its own two feet outside of these walls. And so we want to bring in some earthly ideas, some fleshly ideas, some fleshly philosophies, and add them together with the Christian faith so that people in the world would take you serious. The Christians at this time as well, they, they were tired of the aspect of having to be holy and having to be separate and sanctified. And they said, I don't really love that as much as I once did. It's hard. It's a lot of work. It's, it's hard to be separated. It's hard to be sanctified. It's hard to be holy. And can we just go back to when I was a normal person? And so they, they began to work through those things. And they didn't really love them. And so John begins to write this letter for these people, okay? This was his purpose. And so we're going to pick up here in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start right off the bat, and we're going to work our way through. We're going we're to go verse by verse, line by line. Okay, so John says in verse 1, who's got a Bible today? Great, great. <laughs> My niece always has a Bible. I love it. First John chapter 1, I am reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. All right, let's look at verse 1 for a second. Right off the bat, John says, we proclaim to you, I'm telling you about the one who existed from the beginning. In case you didn't know this, Jesus was at the beginning. Go back to Genesis, and Jesus was there. When the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, he was there. The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit was hovering Right? The Holy Spirit was there. God was there. 
Jesus was there. When the Bible says, in the beginning, when they made man in our image, let us make him like us, who is the us that he is talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about God. And he's talking about Jesus. Jesus was at the beginning. And John says this, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and we have seen. We saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. Somebody needs to think about this for a moment. Jesus is life itself to you. In your life, he is life. If there are things in your life that are dying, if there are things in your life that are sick, if you have wounds that are not healing, if you are dealing with depression and loneliness and brokenness and sickness, and there are things that you need life to come into, I want to remind you today that he is life. And he is the only life that restores and brings life back to life. There are things that are dying, that are lonely, that are broken. And the Spirit of God says, I am the word of life. And I want to come into your world. I want to come into your home. I want to come into your life and restore those things that were dead and bring them back to life. Do you have any dead areas in your life? You know, you ever walk around the neighborhoods and you see lawns and part of the lawn is green, but a patch of it is dead? You're always like, that's interesting. You ever see that? And it's not always like, the, the grass doesn't go from completely green to the whole thing being all brown. It starts in blotches, starts in sections. And that's a great, a, a great picture for many of our lives. Because our lives can be really green in some areas and really brown and dead and dry in other areas. And God is saying today to you, he wants to restore all of your lawn. If your life is a lawn, God wants it all to be green. God wants it to be watered. Even when the city of Abbotsford says, go for the gold and let your, brown, your grass die. God says, I want your grass to stay green all the days of your life. I am the word of life and I want to come into your world and bring restoration and bring healing and bring hope. Breaking off addictions, healing wounds. God says, I'm life to you. I was at the beginning. I came and here I was, and I revealed myself to people. And he says, I am revealing myself to you. God wants to show himself to you alive, real, and strong. Listen, we don't serve a God who is dead and gone. We are not Buddhists. We are not Muslims. We are Christians, followers of Jesus the one true living God. He is the word of life and he is alive today and he wants to be life to you. So whatever area in your world needs some watering, needs some life, 
Jesus says to you today by the Spirit of God, I will come and water that area and restore it to what I desire it and what I created it to look like. That's like verse one and two. <laughs> this one, verse two, who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. I love, in these first two verses, you see John talking about an experience that he had. He handled Jesus. He saw him with his own eyes. He touched him with his own hands. There was an experience that John had. And once he experienced it, he says, I'm going to tell you all about it. You will not testify about what you have not experienced in your own life. But I want to tell you today that Jesus wants you to experience him in your own life. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. Jesus wants to come into your world and say to you, here I am, look at me with your own eyes. Feel my hands, feel my presence. Let me work in your life. Let me bring healing to you. Let me restore some things in your life. Let me take care of this so that you can experience me because once you experience me, then you will begin to testify me. And if you haven't experienced me, if you haven't tasted and seen that I am good, then you're not going to tell other people about me. This is a real party, isn't it? And here we are at verse two. It says, now we testify and proclaim to you the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. You know, have you seen Jesus move in your life? Put, put up your hands. If you've seen the Lord Jesus Christ work in your life. Now I want everybody to look around this room. Make sure your hands are up nice and high so everybody can see. Look, we've, we've all seen Jesus work and move in our life. And now what John says is, because I have seen Jesus work and move in my life, he says, we proclaim to you. He's got, I'm going to tell you about it. So that you may have fellowship with us. I'm going to tell you about the work that Jesus did in my life and the work that Jesus did in my life and my testimony about it and my sharing about it. What does it do? It brings you into fellowship with us. And then he says, and the fellowship isn't just with me. He says, our fellowship is with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. So listen to me. See, when you have experienced Jesus yourself and you begin to testify about him to other people, what you are doing is you are inviting them into fellowship and relationship with you. 
And their fellowship and their relationship, it doesn't stop there. It's not just about being pals with Dave and Dave being a good guy. It's about being in fellowship and relationship with Dave. And that fellowship and that relationship is centered around Jesus Christ because he said, come join us when I tell you about the goodness of God, but our fellowship doesn't just stop with me. Our fellowship includes God and Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that word fellowship for a minute. We talked about this a while ago. Maybe it was last summer, last fall. That word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Do you remember talking about this? Koinonia, one of the definitions of koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship, is a beautiful picture. And it probably portrays it the best. And the definition of fellowship, koinonia, was social intercourse. Do you remember this? Social intercourse. What is that? It is fellowship and relationship on the absolute deepest level where people are united. Two completely separate individuals are united into one through fellowship and relationship with the Spirit of God. And so he says, when you have seen for yourself and begin to testify to me about other people, this is what John is saying, I have experienced Jesus, and now because I've experienced it for myself, I'm gonna talk to you about it. And when I talk to you about it, what it does is it invites you into social intercourse with me. And our social intercourse is centered around God and his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're, first of all, you should all be smiling a whole lot more at the phrase social intercourse because it is funny. Let's just admit it's a funny phrase. If your relationships and your fellowship center around playing spike ball, center around gossip, center around just hanging out, watching a show or having a good time or just being chill, let me tell you, you're missing out on so much more. Your fellowship and your relationship, while it's important to be in community, those are good things, you need to have those things, but at the end of the day, there should be something deeper inside that is drawing people to the Lord. It's not just fellowship with Jake and Jen, it's fellowship with Jake and Jen and the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of that day, that fellowship should bring something out of you that is different than just palling around with somebody going to the mall. It should bring transformation and change. It should change the way you think. It should change the way you act. Listen, if you find out you're hanging on people and you're worse, you're a worse person after hanging out with them than you were before, cut it off. That's a word for somebody. Don't be afraid to cut off relationships in your life that are not leading you to Jesus. And I don't, I don't, don't say to me, well, I have to be a good Christian. Listen, there is wisdom that is accessible to each and every one of us. And if you are joining, if you are 
socially intercoursing with somebody and it's leading you away from the Lord, remove yourself from that relationship. Because the people you hang out with, who you spend your time with, who you talk to, who you listen to, you become like. Now, listen, you could be 20 years old, you could be 15 years old, you could be 80 years old. This is still true. Who you spend your time with, who you invest in, you become like. And I think any person who's been married any amount of time can tell you the longer you're together, the more you become similar. Am I right? Testify about Jesus. Jesus wants you, Tori, to experience him. He doesn't want you to hear about my relationship with him. Sam, he doesn't want you just to hear about my relationship. What Jesus really wants is you to have your own relationship with him where you've experienced him in such a way that you can't be quiet about it. That you've got to go tell everybody else, I've got to tell you, listen, I know we're talking about cars right now, but can I just tell you about something that Jesus did in my life? Dude, we're talking about cars. I know, I'm sorry, but this is just too exciting. i got to share this with you. And as I share this with you, what I'm doing is having fellowship and relationship, and I'm drawing you into that relationship, Jesse. I'm drawing you in to the relationship, not just with me, and the fellowship, not just with me, but the fellowship with Jesus Christ. And come on now, who doesn't want to hang out with Jesus Christ? What'd you do today? Mm, just spend some time with Jesus, no big deal. By the way, he absolutely changed my life. I used to think this way. I, can you believe I used to act like this? Can you believe I used to believe this? Can you believe I used to do this? And then I met Jesus and everything changed. My life, honestly, I'm going to be, my life was the worst. Like it was terrible. And then I met Jesus and I don't know, something flipped and everything changed. And all these bad relationships and all these bad habits, they got out of my life. I just begin to let them go. I begin to say, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to hang out with that person. I don't have to be this way. I don't have to think this way. And suddenly my life was awesome, all from hanging out with Jesus and listening to him. Are we at verse 2 still? Verse 3, cool. We made it all the way to verse 7 in the, in the 9 o'clock service. <laughs> verse 3. He says, we proclaim to you, what we've seen and heard that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy so that you may fully share our joy. This is one of the purposes, John, in writing his letter, one of his points, one of his purposes in why he wrote this letter was, I want to write a letter to tell you that Jesus existed from the beginning. 
and I saw him myself. I, I touched him with my hands. I saw him with my eyes. I experienced Jesus, and I'm going to tell you all about it. And I'll, when I tell you about it, I'm going to draw you into relationship. I'm going to draw you into fellowship. And guess what? Here's the good thing. I'm a really awesome dude, but I'm nowhere near as awesome as God, and I'm nowhere near as, near as great as Jesus. And so when I draw you into relationship with me, I'm really drawing you into a bigger party where God and Jesus are at. And when you get into that fellowship and when you get into that relationship, here's what happens. Your joy is made complete and full. And that's what he says. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you know. Listen, if you need joy in your life, and it says that your joy may be full, I think is what the New King James says. And the idea there, the actual wording is, is not just like full, like, hey, here's a cup. It's full. The idea is that it's actually made complete and made whole. And so he says, I'm writing these things to let you know that when you enter into fellowship and when you enter into relationship with other believers... And with Jesus, what happens is your joy is made full. Your joy is made whole. Your joy is made complete. Come on now. Who needs some joy in their life? <laughs> joy comes from his presence. You know, we're living in a day and age where depression and anxiety are at all-time highs, all-time highs. I feel like literally everything right now is all-time high. Everything we talk about, we've never seen before. This year has been the hottest year in the history of records. This is the most fires we've ever seen. This is the most storms we've ever seen. Everything that's happening, really, and it is, like we've never seen this before. And people are dealing with depression and fear and anxiety on levels like never before. And I want to remind you, because I feel like for some reason, fear and anxiety has a really loud voice. Torment, it's like it's screaming in your ear all the time. I want to remind you today that there is freedom that there is life and there is joy forevermore in the presence of Jesus Christ. If you need joy in your life, if you need freedom in your life, if you need wholeness in your life, here's what you need to do. Crack open this book and begin to read it. John said at the very beginning that Jesus is the word of life. If you need some life in your life, then open the Bible and look at the word. If you need some joy in your life, then get in relationship with some other followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about Sunday Christians. Professional followers of Jesus who know the right things to say, who know when to raise their hands, who know when to say amen, but as soon as they're out this door, they got a cigarette or they're vaping or they're smoking something or they're drinking something or sleeping around or they're cussing or they're doing all the things they know they shouldn't be doing. I'm talking about getting yourself around some real passionate followers of Jesus who have seen him themselves, who have experienced him themselves. And so when you're around them, what happens inside of you? You get hungry for relationship with him. That's what I'm talking about. 
I'm writing these things so you may fully share in our joy, he says. Verse 5. This is the message from Jesus. And now declare to you. So John's saying, hey, I'm not making this up. This isn't something I came up with. I'm not going to tell you these things, this new, these seven points of great wisdom that the apostle John came up with when he was on the island of Patmos or when I was in a prison somewhere. John says, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. I heard him myself. I saw him myself. I heard him speak. And I'm going to tell you the message that Jesus said. And so here he goes. Here's the message that John is declaring. God is light. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. We live in a day and an age of such compromise. It is sickening. But can I tell you that we serve a God who has no compromise inside of him. There is no fellowship with darkness and light, the Bible says. The two can't mingle together. The Bible also tells us that the light always dispels the darkness. There's no darkness in God. There is no compromise in God. You serve a God who is fully holy, who is fully sanctified, who is fully set apart. He doesn't have a little bit of darkness in him. You serve a God who is light, who is set apart, who is holy. There's no compromise in him. And he wants you to live a life that looks like that. He wants to call you out of the darkness. Darkness is death. What grows in darkness? Mushrooms. Fungus. Mold. Just about everything really good on the planet grows in light. It needs light to be healthy. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The word, the word light is this. In the Greek, it's phos. And it means moral and spiritual light and knowledge which enlightens the mind, soul, or conscience. Include, including also the idea of moral goodness, purity, and holiness, and of consequent reward and happiness. This is who God is. When God says, I am light, this is what that Greek word light is. That's what he's talking about. And then the word darkness is the Greek word skotia, and it's associated idea of unhappiness or ruin. Light is not only the emblem of happiness, but it is also beneficial. Darkness, in like manner, works unhappiness and thus death. Darkness works unhappiness and thus death. Darkness, listen to me. Darkness brings death. Light brings life. You serve a God of light 
who wants life for you. He wants you to remove the darkness from your life. He wants you to get the darkness and the light will shine a light in the darkness and say, look what I found in the corner. Look, I flicked on the lights of your life and look we found hiding in the closet. What are you gonna do with it? We're almost done because we're having such a party, aren't we? says this, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So, everybody say so. He says, so if God is light and there is no darkness, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with the God, if we have social intercourse, if we are deeply on an intimate level woven together, if we're saying I am in fellowship with God, I'm in koinonia with God, my life on the deepest, most intimate levels is woven together with God. If that's what you're saying, he says you're lying if you say that, but go on living in spiritual darkness. What is he saying? He's saying you can't live in darkness and say that you have fellowship with God. You can't say I'm in relationship with the Lord and leave this place and live in darkness because darkness brings death and God is light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I think the Spirit of God is trying to communicate something to some of us today. You can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus and walk in darkness. The Bible, the New King James uses the phrase, walk in darkness. You can't walk in darkness, walk in darkness. Uh, that's great. That makes sense. You know, you're walking somewhere. But I really like the picture the New Living shows saying you can't live, go on living in spiritual darkness. Because living is where you set up your house and your home. And it's where you do everything. You eat there. You sleep there. You work there. You hang out there. It's your home. It's your entire life. And he says, you can't say that you're a follower of Jesus. Basically, is what he's saying. You can't say you follow Jesus. Jesus and go on living in spiritual darkness because God doesn't live there. He doesn't live there. Do you want to live in a neighborhood that God has left? He's like, I don't live over there. More than anything, I want you to be my neighbor. I want you to build a house right beside me. I want to share sugar with you. I want to mow your lawn for you. I want, I'll water your lawn for you. I want, to, I want to come outside and I want to take the weeds out of your flower bed and I'm going to wash your windows when they get dusty. And I want, to, I want to be the best neighbor in the world. I want you to live beside me. But many followers of Jesus, we say, yes, I love Jesus. Oh man, I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I, I'm in fellowship with Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And then they go on living, he says, in spiritual darkness. And that's a lie, he says. You can't build your house where God doesn't live and say you have fellowship and relationship with him. He says, if you say that, you're lying. Hey, guess what? These aren't my words. These are John's words. If you don't like them, call up John and take it up with him. 
And John actually said, these aren't my words. John just said the same thing I said. He said, these aren't my words. He's like, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Let's finish here. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we are living in the light, as God is in the light, And you have fellowship then, he says, with each other and with God. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all sin. I want to read to you the way that Barclay, in his commentary on the book of John, said this. He says, the meaning of this phrase, the one that I just read, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He says, the meaning of this phrase really means this, that day by day, constantly, and consistently, the blood of Jesus ought to be carrying out a cleansing process in the life of the individual Christian. That day by day, God is working in your life. Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is working in your life, cleansing you and making you right before the Father. I don't know about you, but I am sincerely thankful for the blood of Jesus. What's that old song say? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Sin means literally. It's the Greek word hamartia, I think. And it means literally missing the mark. It means you've just missed the mark. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you've missed the mark. And the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that cleanses us well, just listen. It's reading it to us right now. The only thing that cleanses us. <laughs> Let's just have a good laugh, everybody. <laughs> Come on up. The only thing that cleanses you, that washes you, and that reconciles you back to the Father is the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin separates us from him because darkness and light can't exist together. It's a physical, not just a spiritual principle, it's a physical principle as well. But the blood of Jesus is the thing that washes us, that cleanses us, that restores us and makes us whole again. Amen? Stand up with me.
close your eyes with me across this place. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're so thankful for your blood. We're so thankful for the work of your cross that restores us, that heals us, that makes us whole again. I want to pray. I want to pray for us in this place. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And here's what I want to pray. I prayed something different for the 9 o'clock service, but for this service, I want to pray for this. If you're in this place and you've never experienced Jesus in your life, like John who said, I've seen him, I've touched him, I've experienced him now, and now I, I can't, I can't not talk about it. If you've never experienced Jesus like that, I want to pray for you. Because I believe that God is wanting to reveal himself to us in new ways. So that we can be his voice, that we can be his light in a dark and lost world. And so if you are saying today, I just need, I need a touch of Jesus. I need Jesus to show himself to me. I need Jesus to reveal himself to me. I want you to raise your hand up and I'm gonna pray. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here. I don't need you to come up here. But I want you to raise your hands. I'm gonna pray for you because I believe that God is wanting to show himself real, alive, and strong. I believe that God is wanting to show himself to you and put a hunger on the inside of you that cannot be stopped so that everywhere you go, every place you find yourself, you are testifying about the goodness of God. Come on now, raise your hands if that's you. I see hands going up all over the place and I want to give you another second because I believe this is a moment. I believe this is a moment where God is wanting to touch lives. Father, I thank you right now that you see these hands raised to you, that you see these people that are saying from the bottoms of their hearts, I desire to see you for myself, to experience you for myself in a new way. I don't want to just know about you in my head. I want to know about you in my heart. I want to experience you for my own self. I don't want to hear about other people's experiences. I don't want to hear about what you did for so-and-so. But Jesus, I want to experience you in my life so that I can begin to testify about you and your goodness to everybody I encounter. Father, I thank you that you see these hands and that you are revealing yourself, that you are beginning to show yourself strong and true in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you are giving dreams in the night, that you are beginning to awaken destinies that have been long forgotten, that there are dreams that people have forgotten about, God, that you are beginning to wake those up, that you are opening our eyes, that you are turning our hearts back to you. Father, I thank you for hardened hearts growing soft right now in Jesus' name that wounds and calluses are falling off in the name of Jesus and that there is restoration taking place, that there is a new fresh hunger for you arising in our hearts right now where we desire you more than food. Just like Jesus said, I have food that you don't even know of and it's to do the will of my Father.
I thank you, Jesus, that you are doing a work right now, right now, that only you can do. I want you to say this. If you've got your hand up, I want you to say this. Say, I receive it, Jesus. Say, I receive it, Jesus. Say, I receive it, Jesus. Have your way in me. Come on, now say it like you mean it. Have your way in me. Do what only you can do. My life is yours. Thank you, Father. Let's sing this. Come on, sing together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.